everybody. Welcome back to another exciting edition of Cruise Life Experience Podcast. Mitch. Hey, it's Mike. How are we doing today, Mitch? We are doing fantastic, and I'm excited for episode six. Yeah, episode six is going to be a great episode. We are going to share some really amazing stories with an amazing guest that we're going to have. Some people are going to look at these stories and go, they didn't actually hear. And every crew member who is listening to or watching this podcast is going to go, yep, that probably could have happened. Probably did. Yeah, we're really excited because this is someone I worked with. Actually, he was my boss. I mean, everybody seems to be my boss at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Who are you picking for guests here? I mean, what's going on? I guess I'm just too, I'm just like the rookie, the, uh, the youngin, I guess, you know. You don't need to kiss up anymore. You're cruise director. Just saying that. <laughs> right, yes. right. By the way, I just want to compliment the picture that you got back there after the first couple episodes. That's, did you go buy that? No, my buddy, uh, Roy Verbeek, uh, he works for a non-for-profit uh, Christian uh, youth program, and he does painting, he does murals, uh, wow. he, did a, uh, he did this painting, so he's a, he's a great guy, and um, don't know if he watches, but if he does, that's great, a little plug for him. Um, but listen, Richard Spacey is our guest today, and for those who have worked for Royal Caribbean or Celebrity, or even if you haven't and you're a big follower of cruise things that happen on YouTube, you probably have seen some of his videos. He's very um, outrageous. You know, our last guest, Charlie McDonald, had a lot to say about him and about how he was the most energetic cruise director that he ever met, so uh, we look forward to having him on here today. Yeah, this guy is an industry legend, legendary cruise director, did it all, saw it all, toured the world, and was one of the uh, top rated out there. So got to work with him. He did the takeout of the Oasis. We can't wait to have him on the show in just a couple minutes. Yeah, but before we get to that, let's go ahead and kick off with two mailbag questions that we had here today. Very first question comes from Sherry. Sherry is a crew member, and she states that sign-on day for crew can be the longest day of the contract. Can you please tell your non-crew listeners what a typical sign-on day is like? And before we get to the sign-on day, let's talk about the whole process of actually yeah. getting ready to sign on. So the, the flights and everything like that. But I'll let you elaborate. Sure, sure. Okay, so you know, uh, back in the older days, uh, I mean, it's still like that on a lot of ships, but things have changed now with everything being electronic, which is so much nicer. But, you know, you start back at home, you got to get all your stuff ready, and it depends on what you do on board. But if you're a lucky crew member that has a uniform, well, that's easy. You have a couple different things. You can fit everything maybe into one suitcase. But uh, certain people that wear their own clothes or have lots of costumes or costume changes like, you know, cruise director, cruise director, staff, entertainers, you know, it's a lot more. You're packing te technically, essentially, two suitcases that you're going to have for anywhere between four, six months. And um, that's a big process. Make sure you don't forget anything. You need to have your medical so you have to have a, a medical that's uh, valid and that takes, um, you know, you can't ever forget that, which I have done before. And uh, <laughs> you then have to have your sign on letter. That is the official company letter that you have to show at the border. And then you have to show before you get on the ship if you're crossing into the States. Uh, so all these things that you have to have ready. And then when you uh, get, you, you know, get on your flight, some people are flying across the world. I remember signing on in Australia and New Zealand. You're flying literally a day or two to get there. And uh, it's a lot of a uh, big process to get to the ship. Then you get there. Uh, Royal Caribbean is great uh, where they put everybody up in the hotel the night before to make sure you get a, a great rest before you sign on the ship. And then you get up bright and early. You uh, shuttle to the ship and uh, you wait outside until they're ready to bring you on. And then you go through the sign on process outside where you give your medical. You do all the sign on paperwork and uh, then you get on the ship. And then you drop off your luggage. Uh, hopefully, you'll get it before you have to start work that night. 
But yeah, you get on board, you go try to, you know, depending on what you do, meet up some of your friends, you go for lunch, uh, you have to go to a special mandatory training before the ship sets sail. And then uh, you start work the same day. And, uh, you know, there's no day off in between, right? And you try to unpack in between that. And uh, it's a whirlwind, I think. It's a, it's a big day. And, um, but once you get used to it, it's great. And nowadays, with everything being electronic, it's so much better. You get to the terminal, and you can even check in online on the app, and it speeds things up uh, way, way faster. Yeah, it is a lot faster now, and they're streamlining things. Not just our company, but every company. Uh, they're doing a better job because I think they understand. Most of the people who work in the shoreside offices, um, at cruise line unilaterally, they have worked on cruise ships and they know that sign on day is one of the longest, most stressful days. You're in a new, sometimes in a new environment, you've never been on that ship. You don't know anybody. Imagine the new hire going to, to a ship like Oasis class where, you know, the largest crew class of cruise ship in the world. And it is a city. There are nine, eight, 9,000 people on that ship. And you're trying to figure out where the heck is my cabin, right? You know, oh, so man. it's, it's, it's a little overwhelming at, at times. And if you're a new hire, I always say to all my new hires, you know, you've got to give it two to three weeks to really settle in, um, you know, because it can be overwhelming in the first couple of days with all the trainings that you have to do. If you're, if you're brand new to ship, your first week is trainings. It's a blur. Makes up, makes up 70% of what you do. And then your actual job is 30% until you get all those trainings up to date. Yeah, 100%. And it's uh, a great topic. So I think what we can do is uh, maybe revisit this, especially. And just you love talk doing about that. You're like, oh, let's revisit this on another episode. But you're right, we should. Uh, I'm planting se- seeds, right? Our second question comes from Jerry. He asks us to tell our favorite joke we've used on stage. So Mitch, your favorite joke. I'm going to go with like the favorite like joke that maybe is used over and over again by cruise directors, by comedians. And it's just one that you can always pull out or it's one that people will never get sick of. And it's funny because it's one that I heard on my first contract from a purser. They used to be called pursers. They're now guest services officers at guest services. And it's one of the things that cruise directors used to always love talking about the top silly top 10 stupid questions. And uh, this is one that you can use in that top 10 or you can just say it and a lot of comedians say it i don't even know where it comes from but like i said in 2004 a guest services officer told me that it happened on the sovereign of the seas that might not even be true because literally everybody tells this joke and it's the joke of a uh, a guest calling down to guest services very upset i paid for an ocean view cabin and all i can see is the parking lot and uh, the guest services officer is really apologetic empathetic says they're sorry but do us a favor once the ship sets sail Call us back if you have the same problem. Let us know. I mean, you know, it's hilarious because essentially it really did happen. Someone was really upset. All they could see is the parking lot, but the ship didn't even set sail yet. They're still in port. And uh, it's a classic. You turn it off when you're on vacation. And we love to make fun of uh, those kinds of stories and jokes. You? I will, I will share a joke that I've never myself told on stage, but one of my favorite comedians, his name is Richie Minervini. Um, he has created this joke and I, I, I'm, I hope I pay it. I hope it, I hope I give it a little bit of respect. And the reason why I'm doing it is because of course, Tom Brady left the new England Patriots this year and is now going to be playing with Tampa Bay. So, so here, so here's the joke. It's Halloween night. A kid's dressed up in, in a pirate. He goes, he rings somebody door. Old man comes and answers the door. He's like, trick or treat. He's like, and what are you supposed to be? He goes, I'm a pirate. He goes, well, where are your buccaneers? He goes, under my bucket hat. Now give me some candy. 
<laughs> good, good stuff. Yeah, Richie's funny guy. Hey, listen, uh, speaking of jokes, after telling a joke or two, I can think of no better way to introduce our very first guest here today, our only guest, because, um, you know, he has a lot to share. He was Royal Caribbean's top-rated cruise director. Uh, he left a job for Celebrity Cruise Line's head office, and then went back out to sea as cruise director with Celebrity Cruise Line. And we welcome our very first guest, none other than the legendary Mr. Richard Spacey. Hello, Richard. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here. Thank you for inviting me, guys. So good to see you. Talk a little bit about that haircut. Um, yeah, I've got the old Corona cut. Um, it seriously took me an hour. I know it doesn't look like it. I look like a <laughs> just escaped from prison. But uh, it's just <laughs> simple. I, I live my own, so uh, I've got no one else to cut my hair. So <laughs> keep it as simple. Nice. Uh, we we want to get right into this. Cool. Uh, we want to spend as much time as possible with you here. First off, I want to say back when cruise directors were rated by the guests, there was a, a specific rating that was called cruise director and staff, yep. of which we were based upon. Like we were looked at and we were evaluated on. We were driven hard to to get those strong ratings. It's not something that's as focused now, but back then you were always number one, always number one. And you know, myself, James Andrews, uh, Alan Brooks, uh, Graham Seymour, a few of the cruise directors who are always playing second fiddle trying to catch you. Tell us a little bit about how you always got to be so popular with the guests. I'm sure it has a little bit to do with your personality, but what made you separate yourself from every other cruise director in the fleet, every other cruise director in the world? Um, I, I think it's all about the team, honestly. It, the, it's the team that you choose to have around you and uh, get them excited about working. Um, I worked up pretty early on that the video was the, the way to go and the way to get across to the guests. Like All the cruise directors are amazing on stage, but I noticed that not a lot of them were putting a lot of content on the TV, which, of course, now you wouldn't even think of. It would just happen. But back then I was thinking, well, you know, they've... The one complaint we used to have was, you know, there's nothing to watch on the TV, right? So I thought, well, we've got the Cruise Director channel. Why not put some decent content on there? So in my strange mind, I started coming up with some ideas uh, for different videos that we could put on there. Uh, I'm sure that helped a bit. Actually, my ratings helped me from getting fired on a few occasions. Charlie McDonald's <laughs> even told me that. He goes, Rich, you know you would have been gone a long time ago. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Fair play. Oh, but man. You, all you guys were so talented. You mentioned some amazing uh, names there, Mike. And uh, uh, no, I was just, I would learn as much as possible. But really, the, the, the one difference, I suppose, um, apart from, from yeah because we all had great teams um was a week before i came back off vacation i would spend that week just going through stuff trying to come up with some ideas some stuff that i could bring back with and i was never satisfied with anything like you know um if we've got the love and marriage game show to say but i would always try and come up with a new well <laughs> mitch bless him we had this whole oh, yeah. sequence didn't we do you remember from um Nobody Dirty puts, dancing. Nobody puts baby in the corner. And he would run up on Best stage ever. and we would practice it. The lift. And we actually got it to a really good point, didn't we? And your legs are sticking straight up in the air. And I'm twirling you around like this. But that was one of the best things ever. Yeah. I mean, for, for people that don't know, during the Love and Marriage game show, if you've seen it, you've seen it. Half, we just had this crazy idea um, halfway through the show. We kind of got in a, a fight on stage and we tried our best to keep it 
so, like I'd talk back and Spacey would tell me to leave and I would f- flip out and I'd walk out of the show through the house yeah. and the guests would start yelling at you and be <laughs> mad. That you, yep. And I then the dirty you. dancing. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I started to cry. I was like faking the tears. Right. Like I wanted to be an actor. But, but you and then the dirty, them, yeah, I was good. You made them so angry with me. Yeah, and you loved it. <laughs> Do you have a copy? If you have a copy of one of those, man, we got to see it. I, uh, okay. I more than might have a copy. I, I, I managed to save most of the video. Um, my last contract I knew was going to be uh, my last one. So I got uh, the video guy on there. I paid him um, a bunch of money to transfer everything over into digital. So now... Starting from wow. my first ever Welcome Aboard show back in '98, wow. I think that was. Wow. Um, and I got that, and then all, all through since then. So I'll, I'll take it through. I'm sure I've got one. Speaking of video, and you mentioned it, you had a lot of content back in the day before it was, uh, you know, a standard operating procedure. How did you convince the broadcast guys to do all that extra work? You must have uh, just a lot of drinks, a lot of drinks, a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> it always works. Now, honestly, at the start, because no one was used to doing it, I would pay them out of my own pocket because, um, and you know, because I knew I was asking them to go above and beyond. But I think the word started spreading, and it, they love doing. Uh, projects that they can really put their heart and soul into so if they have a have a project like line me away or, or something like that then the editing you know they they actually enjoy it that's what they're there for you know that's what they really enjoy doing and i worked oh my, my goodness the broadcast techs i work with tim exner um dave foley um uh, sharon hanley um got so many just it, best of the best right yeah Really cool. And uh, you, you kind of hit the head out of the nail on the head. The team is great. And it was uh, always fun. You know, I worked with you for a long time on the Oasis, a little bit on the Freedom when I was crew staff. And you, the team rallies around the cruise director. And we all know this now. And when you start to see the results and, you know, you, you see that you've got to perform as a team and achieve the results, makes the guests happy. Everyone wants to keep going. So pretty cool stuff. Thanks, dude. We want to ask you about um, some of your videos. So some say the Limey Away. <laughs> The Bud Light Cruise Ship Entertainer, the Austin Powers with Lee, those videos, epic, epic stuff, and your evolution of dance, your take of it on stage in live, and uh, some of the most memorable things um, that people remember. And we want to ask you, what was your favorite? Oh, that's a really good question. The favorite video was probably the Top Ship uh, video that I put together. And that was one that I put together right at the end of my time at Royal. But it was an amalgamation of uh, Top Gun, Dirty Dancing, Footloose, <laughs> Karate, and Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I remember something being filmed in the laundry room at some point. Oh man, honestly, we spent so much time on that. But the, watching it back, my favorite part of that was the bloopers at the end. We had so much fun. Um, Lee, who you mentioned, Eric Lydon was uh, was a massive part of it oh, as yeah. well. And uh, Wes Deploy was filming it. But it was, man, I tell you what, I, I love that. I love that. And I still love looking back on that. Um, as far as the one thing that had the most impact was probably my version of the evolution of dance. That really, um, I think, separated me. Just, just well, I, towards the end, I, I started doing it. And I did it for about 10 years. And at the start, 
I'm 31 years old and I've got all the energy. And by the end, I'm 40. I need an oxygen tent by the time I got off stage. But um, uh, yeah, it, oh, yeah, it was just a fun thing. I gave the, I, I didn't make it sound like it was my original idea. I, I even tell the guests at the start, you know, this is something that um, I came across on YouTube and I was doing most of the dances anyway. So I, put my own music to it and my own dance moves and just kind of amalgamated from there. And it morphed over the years, you know, from where it started to where it ended. I probably changed about 50% of music, I think. That was uh, epic, right? I mean, well, I remember watching it live. The guests loved it. It was, I think people appreciated how much work went into it. It, it took three months to edit all the music together. And then it took another month to get all the moves into my head because they just naturally had to flow. And even during some farewell shows, I would forget what song's coming up next and had to quickly react to it. When the music came out, I was like, ah! Um, but I, I um, yeah, I mean, the guests were lovely. The guests were lovely and gave it a really nice, um, you know, reception uh, every time I did it. Question for you. Yes, sir. A lot of a lot of people, like let's say a, a Ken Rush or a Casey Pelter, have been working as cruise directors and transitioned into the shoreside office. Mm -hmm. You were, as I mentioned before, number one as far as ratings go, top of the top of the heap, top of the heap in the world, and your position. Why make a transition to the shoreside office? That's that's a really good question. Well, I was due to take out the quantum. Um, obviously, so the brand new class of ships and um, for a little while, I, I'd always said to myself and I said to every all my AMs I work with, soon as you're not enjoying it, time, time to go. And I was still enjoying it, but not maybe as much as I did. And um, I was kind of looking for maybe a move on land. And then uh, Becca Thompson Foley um, so just got a promotion over at Celebrity Cruise Lines. And so she said, look, there's a position, which used to be my position, but it's now been opened up. And I thought, this is too good an opportunity. Like, you can't look this in the, you know, this gift horse. In the... So I thought, as opposed to just entertaining people on one ship, I could help with the entertainment on the entire fleet. I thought, what amazing opportunity that would be. Um, so I, I started working on land, but what I didn't realize was I'm not supposed to be in an office. And I found <laughs> that out very, very quickly. I just couldn't adjust. I tried everything, but I just, I can't work nine to five. I can't do it. I work in like two hour gaps. I even do it now. Um, and it, it just, it just didn't work for me. The people I worked with were magnificent. Everyone I worked with was brilliant. And I sent a, a letter to uh, Lisa Lutoff Perlow, who was then in charge of Royal, you know, saying what a wonderful time I had. And I'm really sorry that I am going over, but I explained the reasons why. And she was very, very nice about it. So um, I, I probably ended up doing about five months in the office. And then I, I had a chat with Becky and I said, Becky, would it, would you, I know you're going to hate me for this. Would it be all right if I went back on the ships? You know, uh, maybe I just need to get a bit more out of me. And then uh, I was uh, cruise director with Celebrity Cruise Lines for about five years until I left uh, 18 months ago. How tough was it for you to go back? Or was it just like riding a bike? Um, no, because I wasn't supposed to do anything that I was really doing over at Royal. And also, so I had to come up with new, new things to do there. And also it is a different cruise line and they, um, you know, they're attracting a different sort of clientele. So you do have to adjust 
um, uh, a lot of the things you were doing, you know, maybe I had to pull back a bit because I was a bit crackers, um, which suited Royal because you got the families on there. But Mitch, you remember me at 70s night. I would oh, yeah. lose about two stone in weight. Uh, I would absolutely, yep. I would have to wring my shirt out at the end of the night, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely loved it. Nice. Yeah. Um, we want to ask you something really that I, that I uh, got to experience. And it's something that I guess people on ships are known for, cruise directors, and a lot has changed over the years. But you are known as the king of parties. So we want to hear about your favorite memories, your favorite parties, for example, and how close you were to ever being fired for having a party. Because cruise ship parties are epic stories that people don't believe. I think I hold the world record for captain's hearings. Um, <laughs> really? I, really? I believe, tell us, tell us. I believe it's seven. Um, I think I have had seven captain's hearings uh, during my time at sea. Wow. I, I have to, can I take this opportunity to apologize to Charlie and to Peter Compton? They, they were always so nice to me. And all I did was make their life hell. And I'm so sorry. I was um, a very ambitious, bulletproof, boy in his 20s that had too much power at too young a age to know what to do with it. Um, oh, where to start? You know, someone asked me, they said, what was life like on like for the crew, you know, back in, back in the day, you know, back before it got a bit more with the rules and everything. And I said, well, you can imagine it's somewhere between the Wolf of Wall Street and Animal House. That basically <laughs> was every single night on board for me. And you know, uh, we were young, we had momentum and you could party till five, six o'clock in the morning. And I, I, I got up and was at eight o'clock meeting, bright and bushy tail the next day. But man, uh, parties. Um, we had um, probably the one I'm most known for. And I'm actually more known for my parties than I ever was as a cruise director with the crew. Like people come out, oh, you're the guy that threw the pool party in my cabin. And that's <laughs> what we did. Um, I had the bright idea of bringing a huge, and I mean huge blow up pool, which I managed to fill up with a hose pipe that I attached to the shower. And we had a oh pool full of water. And so everyone came round in their swimming costumes and we had a pool party but then had to take it to the next level. So the second time I managed to squeeze a second pool in there and oh I may or may not have got some sand on board and we made a little beach area because you've got to have a little beach area. And then, oh my God. But the first pool party, it ended and I'm like, what, what am I going to do with all the water? I had no plan oh, no. at all <laughs> to do with the water. So bless his heart, I had my Studio B guy there with the wet back sucking it up and then dumping it in the shower. And it took, <laughs> us, it took us about four hours. I'm there with a uh, um, bucket. Um, but yeah, Hugh Hefner parties where we built um, these massive um, stages and all sorts. Um, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but did you ever get caught like by security or uh, get in trouble for having one I heard like first of all where did that pool party happen was that on the freedom or was it on so most of my captain's hearings were for <laughs> parties that I'd thrown <laughs> there we go um, yeah um, so, so sorry where, where was the what was your question Mitch so were, that was mostly maybe on like the freedom or, but I was just asking where most of those were, but did you ever go? Yeah. So you went to a captain's hearing and did you ever get caught in the middle of the party? 
or was it kind of like it, it was always the next day it? it was always the next day the parties were never everyone um kind of knew about it but didn't really mind you know that much because it was uh, yeah. you know when things are going well it's like anything you know when your team's playing well you don't mind them having a night out once in a while and and the ship was doing great it was actually the adventure where we did most of the parties that was for some reason that ship was just amazing for that it was just brilliant yeah and you know everyone everyone had a wonderful time you know no one got hurt or anything which is obviously what one of the main concerns but it was it was a different time it was a different time yeah. and i even arrived after you know because i would hear stories about what went on i joined in september 97 and i would hear stories from legends like greg maxwell and paul grayson about stuff that went on and that just went to another <laughs> level altogether so i'm i loved the reason that i think that all the parties happened and we never got in trouble for them was it was before camera phones and, mm. and before yes. social media and i'm so grateful that i was around in that time because now no chance i guarantee you someone will take a picture of that party it'd be on facebook and you'll be off the ship before you know it yep yeah that's yep. true uh you mentioned about going to celebrity and one of the things you talked about was working um you know, we talked about this earlier. You were always in the Caribbean. You were the master. You had to be there. That's where the biggest, newest, best ships were. But when you went to Celebrity, you actually finally got a chance to travel. So we just wanted to ask you a little bit about what that was like, especially for being in cruising, cruising so long and never getting to travel really the world. Right. Well, I had seven days worth of really good material. Seven days. I can nail seven days. No problem. So when I was given a 21 day cruise uh, on one of my first cruises, I'm like, I haven't got anything. I, so I literally had to write material each day for that following night. And I was just coming up with stuff. Um, it was for that reason, that's what made my time at Celebrity incredible. People I got to work with and the places I got to see. I mean, it was stunning. Uh, I'd never been fun. I worked on cruise ships for 16 years for Royal and never been to Alaska. Can you believe that? Wow. I was always in the Caribbean. I could tell you every single person's name in St. Thomas, but I'd never been to Alaska. <laughs> I'd never been to Hawaii, uh, French Polynesia. I'd uh, never been to New Zealand. Um, I'd never been to a lot of places in Europe, even like Croatia and uh, Montenegro, uh, Greece. Um, so, um, and then I also got a chance to go out to Asia as well. And, oh, it was for that reason, I tell you, that, that made it magic, magic time there. Wow. Uh, so we want to ask you a little bit about Oasis because you were, the, you know, you got to be on the takeout team. You were there from the beginning. And we want to talk just about some of the big things that you did there, some of your greatest memories. Um, Halloween party was the biggest. Uh, it's everything was done there at the beginning set the bar for all the oasis class ships and the last thing we need to ask you about is uh apparently there's a story of, of a blimp that we need to know more <laughs> okay uh yeah so first of all um that was the proudest moment of my shipping career was taking out the oasis it was so incredible that ship is so much of everything I was, I just loved it. It was like my own little playground. And um, I had to do loads of videos just because I was on that ship. Like loads of them were just because I was on the Oasis. And um, I, um, Mike, did you ever work with Mitch when he was activities manager? 
for one cruise. Uh, he was he was my activities manager. Yep. Like the hardest working guy ever. I mean, he is amazing. You give him a project and he ran with it. And that's the reason that I asked for him to come on the Oasis with me because I knew we worked well together and I knew that it was going to take a lot of work. And honestly, I could give him a project and basically forget about it. And there's not many times you can do that in your life, but I just knew that he would, he would smash it. And he always did. Um, but some of the things we did on there at uh, the belly flop competition was humongous holding it in the aqua theater, which I don't think you do anymore, but um, that was unbelievable to have underwater cameras as the belly came through the water and to have an instant <laughs> playback. It was epic. It turned it into a full on show. And the yep. Aqua show itself was, I, I genuinely enjoyed watching that every single, I watched it uh, five times a week, you know, every single time it was on, I watched it and I loved it. And I just, I would look at this crowd sometimes and thinking, do you know what you're seeing here? This is a, <laughs> this is an Aqua theater on a ship. <laughs> Unbelievable. And the, and the seventies parties in that massive rural promenade where you, from one end to one end, it was absolutely chock-a-block full of people. And we had the T-shirt uh, going. And um, also we had a blimp. Now, there's a long story here. <laughs> so Mitch and I um, had a bit of a reputation that if we thought something was a good idea, we would usually just go off and do it and, uh, and then face everything else after that. So um, again, Mitch. We got talking one day and I still don't remember who was it that came up with the idea in the first. Was it you, Mitch? Yeah, because I'm a, you know, big hockey fan and always at the hockey games, they used to have these little motorized blimps that would fly around and drop prizes. Yeah. And I just always, I always wanted to find a cool way to throw away prizes. And I think we started talking about that and it meshed with some other things that I never even knew about. Yeah, and it, it was just... it was redonk. This thing was massive, and uh, it it basically flew throughout the thing, and it had a little thing on the bottom of it that if you pressed a button, it would drop prizes into the crowd. Um, so, Mitch, how long this? It was months, wasn't it? He designed perfectly months. the um, Royal Caribbean logo on the side. It was all absolutely bang on brand. It looked brilliant, and. People were breathtaking when we brought it out because we kind of hid it over the top of one of the shops so you couldn't see it. And then it just came out and then it was dropping prizes and I'm firing T-shirt cannons off the side of it. <laughs> it was, I think, it, it was redonk. Anyway. It was um, like $10,000 or something crazy. It was, it was, I do remember that sort of figure. Again, the hotel director was given up on me by that point in time. But, <laughs> What? Champion. What? Champion. It was before champion. It was Francois. Oh, Francois. Oh, Francois. <laughs> yeah. And he just given up on me by that point in time, especially after Halloween, which I'll get onto in a little bit. But um, so someone posted a picture, damn you, Facebook, on Facebook. And all of a sudden, we're having these phone calls. What's going on? What's this blimp about? Um, Mitch gets called to a meeting that I'm not invited to. And Basically, what had happened, I later found out because obviously I knew everyone in the office anyway, was the, the email came out. I sent the email, of course I did, to Richard Fain, because that's how important I thought I was. I sent it to Richard <laughs> Fain, Adam Goldstein. I sent it to the captain of the ship. I sent it to Charlie, to Peter, to Alison. sent it out to everyone. And all of a sudden, the, uh, Charlie goes out. I believe it was Charlie. I think it was Charlie. Um, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but he goes out and he goes, 
right. Nobody talked to Mitch. Nobody talked to Rich. I told you it was going to be an issue if these two worked together. What they <laughs> thought, what they thought was when the Oasis first came out, it originally was supposed to have a blimp on the top. And just this, the blimp that would actually take people up in the air. I mean, this is how forward thinking uh, Pete Compton was. I mean, it just, you know, stuff like that. And I think that was Richard Fain's idea as well. But so they, they tested it out and um, it went up once, then came back down and then they tested it the next day. It went up and up and up. And I believe it was the Swedish Air Force that had to shoot it down. No way. I think I heard that that could be a, a complete legend, uh, you know, an urban legend. That's what, that's what I heard. Anyway, so they thought that we were taking the mickey. But number one, Mitch didn't even know that there was a blimp at the start. He I had no heard clue. that story. And I was sending it to him, basically saying, look, we kind of made your dream happen on a smaller scale. And they were, everyone in the office was freaking out. I mean, I'm sure they had it planned that we were gonna, both going to get fired, right, Mitch? I'm sure that was part of the deal. I didn't even, I was, I was like, this can't be, like, I can't get in trouble for something I didn't even know about. Yeah. So I was like, uh, but I do remember Alison Frazier, uh, you saying, oh, we're going, we have a meeting with Alison and we had to go out in the morning and talk to her. And I was like, how could I be involved in this? I'm an yeah. innocent bystander. Well, well, I was trying to not get in trouble. Luckily. I think it was Adam Goldstein that wrote back, was it, or Richard himself? But one of them, if not both of them, wrote back saying, thank you so much. This was a great tribute. So everything was forgotten. They thought it was a great idea. So uh, it was another case of me and Mitch not asking before doing something. Amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, we're, we're, we're going to take a moment to pause right now, uh, and we're going to come back with more with Richard Spacey because there's more stories to tell and uh, more exciting things just like this. So, uh, so we'll be back with, uh, with another episode coming up next.